glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Proverbs chapter 20. Let's go ahead and read in verse 11. We're not going to say much, but because it's right here, I want to go ahead and read it. Even a child is known by his doings. So even a child is known by how he behaves. Would we agree with that? Absolutely. If that's a good kid, eh, kid's a rotten child. You know what, what makes us say things like that? How they act. Even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right. Then he says in the two verses we're going to be focusing on, verses 12 and 13, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord hath made even both of them. Love not sleep, lest thou come to poverty. Open thine eyes, and thou shalt be satisfied with bread. Now, verse 12 uh, is certainly a figurative application of you know, get awake, but it's literal. When he says open your eyes, it's what he means. Open thine eyes, and thou shalt be satisfied with bread. We know what he's speaking of, the sluggard who loves to sleep. Loves to sleep. And there's a spiritual application there. We dealt with that this morning, the morning message. But here tonight is just simple, practical uh, application. And so uh, we're going to look again at three things that the eyes of the wise are or are to be under the instruction of the wisdom of God and the Word of God. And the first thing we would say to you tonight, according to verses uh, 12 and 13, is that the eyes of the wise are to be open. I told you this wasn't deep. Open. It's very difficult to read your Bible in the morning while you're sleeping. Amen? Very difficult. Very difficult to read your Bible while your eyes are closed. I don't think we can, we can underestimate the value of getting under the discipline of getting out of bed even when you don't feel like it. The Bible, especially Proverbs, has a wealth of information that deals with the sin of slothfulness. And may I say this, everything else I'm going to say about your eyes are really not going to matter if you don't learn to open them. Open thine eyes, and thou shalt be satisfied with bread. And that is dealing with when it's more comfortable, when it is more convenient to close your eyes and sleep when you are... How many of you fall asleep while reading your Bible? Well, absolutely you do. But may I say this, you won't read your Bible if you don't open your eyes. And so, but the verse prior to that is interesting to me. Uh, So the literal meaning is you need to learn to get your eyes open. God did not create you and design you to have eyes that are closed all day. That's why verse 12 is there. Let's read it again. The hearing ear and the what eye? Seeing eye, the Lord hath made even both of them. That verse is there before verse 13 because then he's going to say, Love not sleep, lest thou come to poverty, Open thine eyes, and thou shalt be satisfied with bread. When he was warning against loving sleep and coming to poverty, is he warning against physical poverty or spiritual poverty? Yep, you got it. He is. <laughs> All the above. How many of you want to be intellectually poor? You want? May I say this? Education is a tool. It's like money. Education is not an end. It's a means. I believe. How many of us know the Lord Jesus was educated? He was. He knew math. I love finding things in the Bible you don't even think about. But by the age of 12, he is already very familiar with the Scriptures, meaning he was a fluent reader by the age of 12. He is, he is obviously keen in writing. How many of you know that he wrote well enough with his finger in the dirt that everyone around him could read what he wrote? Obviously an educated man. But how many of us do not get the idea that he was an intellectual? 
because his interest and his focus was not on his education. His education was a tool to serve God with. That's what his education was. He was a mathematician. He could quickly survey a crowd and understand how much bread and loaves and then provide it, of course, in a miraculous fashion. He knew how many teams to divide up. He took 70 disciples, divided them into two teams uh, or 35 teams of two and sent them to the cities. This is a man that knew how to use mathematics in a practical way. My point is this, educated, and you know what? I don't want to be intellectually poor. I don't want to be financially poor, but I don't want to be spiritually poor. And in fact, if you're going to be more concerned about any of those, spiritual richness should come first. I want to be rich in faith. I want to be rich in virtue. And I believe what he's dealing with here when he talks about opening our eyes is virtue. Virtue is the purpose to do right regardless. And if you've already decided in your heart, I'm going to spend time in God's word because God's word is important, then you're going to have to open your eyes. And here, the eyes are open to the work of God. God has a work to be done. That's the context here. Work needs to be done. But before you can go to work, you got to open the eye that God created. And so our eyes being open here deals with recognition of my responsibility to God. I open my eyes in the morning because I have things I have to do. You have things you have to do. We are living in a culture that's getting more slothful. It's just truth. So do you want to see what communism, for instance, produces as far as the will to work in a culture? We've had just a little bit of a taste. Our government's been mailing out other people's money to us and calling it stimulus. But it's just redistribution of wealth. How many of us are aware that's what's going on? And what has been the effect? People said, if I'm getting money and I don't need to work, I'll keep my eyes closed and sleep and stay home. That's it. And I just say to young people tonight, you need to understand, God did not make your eyes to stay closed. He created your eyes to open so that you can use them to do what he has for you to do. There's, how many of us all have work to do? When you're a child, primarily, your, your vocation is learning. I mean, really, whether you're learning through practical hands-on chores or you're learning through book learning, the role of a young person is to learn. You are learning to lay a foundation upon which to live your life. You can't do that if your eyes are closed. And one of the things that's frustrating is seeing children and young people allowed to sleep till 11 o'clock in the morning. God says, hey, open your eyes. I created your eye to see, not to shield. And so, very simple, Uh, we open our eyes in recognition that I have God-given responsibilities to carry out. The first responsibility I have is to worship God. Before I'm going to go do any work, I have a responsibility to worship God. He is worthy of that worship. Psalm 63, 1 says, uh, O God, Thou art my God, early will I seek Thee. Early will I seek Thee. My my soul uh, longeth Thee, my flesh longeth for Thee. Uh, uh, Psalm 63, I'm going to mess it. Turn there with me, turn there with me. Psalm 63, verse 1. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. He says, uh, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. How many of you have ever noticed the pattern in the Bible of men who rose early exclusively for the purpose of spending time with God? The Bible talks about Abraham rose early to go to the place where he met with God. Joshua rose early in the day and he encounter the captain of the host if you are going to use your eye as a christian the way it needs to be used the first thing you have to do is be willing to open them (laughs) get awake in the morning get your day started with god if i love sleep god's gonna have a hard time using me that's just all there is to it 
If I'm slothful and I like sleeping more than I like working. May I say this? Work is not evil. Work is not a plague. Work is good. Uh, work is not something we're, we're working to get out of. Work is something we are working to get into. That's what the Bible says. Proverbs 14.23, In all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. And so then the eyes of the wise are open to the work of God. That deals with our recognition of my responsibility to God, to worship Him, to get in His Word, to hear from Him, to spend time with Him in prayer. What did Jesus have to say repeatedly about prayer? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. What that means? Keep your eyes open. You say, well, I'm just taught to close my eyes in prayer. May I say this? If closing your eyes in prayer goes to sleep, leave them open. <laughs> Honestly, it's not a sin. To, you know, if, 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 if that's what you have to do to shut the world out, but friend, listen, there sometimes I can't close my eyes in prayer or I'm going to sleep. Prayer is the goal, not sleep. <laughs> and so then, open thine eyes. And uh, the fact of the matter is, uh, we have a responsibility to God, to worship Him, to serve Him, and to seek Him early in the day. That simply means instead of laying in bed and sleeping, i got to open my eyes. Number two, it's not only recognition of my responsibility to God, it is recognition of my responsibility to others. Look, if you would, at Proverbs 28. Now, the flip side of this is how this is given to us, but it still has to do with having our eyes open. Proverbs 28, uh, verse 27. He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack. God says if you give, use your resources to give to those who don't have what you do, excuse me, you'll not lack. It's the same principle as Luke chapter 6. Give and it shall be given unto you. Now, the principle in the Bible is we give to give. Not give to get. Give to give. You say, I would like to be a giver. How can I do that? Start giving. Start giving. You start being a giver. Give what you can. If all you have is a penny, give it and see what God will do. If you, and I'm not talking about just throw. I didn't say waste it. I said give it. Giving means I'm taking what I have to give to someone who does not have. And God says this, Proverbs 28, 27, uh, He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack, but he that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. Meaning if I choose to look away from the needs of others and ignore what I see with my eyes, because it's going to make me feel a responsibility to give to them, God's going to hold me accountable. Throughout the book of Proverbs, the Bible says, remember the poor, remember the poor, remember the poor. In our land, there's not, physical poverty is not what it is in other lands. We have it, don't misunderstand me, but it's not what it is in other lands. So is this talking about remembering the physical poor or the spiritual poor? And the answer again would be yes. Is it wrong to give physical things to people in need? No. Spiritual needs are greater and generally, you can use physical giving to help open the door to giving spiritual resources. But let's use the spiritual application. How many of us know there are people that if we were observing their life, you would notice their lack of righteousness, their lack of God? How many of us would choose? I don't want to look at that. I just don't want, I don't want to think about it. There are entire doctrinal systems today that teach people literally to close their eyes to the needs of others. God wants them saved. He'll get them saved. Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. Do you think Jesus meant figuratively lick up their eyes? He was using fields figuratively. But you know what the disciples to do? Lift up their eyes and look on the Samaritans and see the need of their soul. Lift up your eyes and look on the field for they are white already in the harvest. How, by the way, do we close our eyes to the poor? How do we hide our eyes? Well, just don't be where they are. Don't go out in the harvest field. Don't go around needy people. Only stay around people that aren't going to make you feel the need to give. Right? That's the way. 
So God deals with keeping our eyes open in a twofold way. In Proverbs 20, verses 12 and 13, He says, The hearing ear and the seeing eye is God is the one that's made them both. So, Love not sleep, lest thou come to poverty. Open thine eyes, and thou shalt be satisfied with bread. God made us to work. That takes our eyes being open and seeing. God made us to worship. That made our, means our eyes being open and seeing. We need to open our eyes in the morning and get busy seeking the Lord if He saved us. I'm preaching to save people tonight. You don't get saved by working. But if you're saved, we should be working. We've got to open our eyes to do it. Not only that, we're not opening our eyes to our responsibility to God and to get engaged in that but to see the needs of others and be engaged in giving to that. A perfect illustration of this is Luke chapter 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan. A priest went by, and what did he do? He passed by on the other side. He hid his eyes. I don't want to see it. If I don't see it, I have to think about it. If I see that man half dead, I might have to give what I have to save his life, and I would rather go on with my life. He closed his eyes. The Levite passed by on the other side. He looked, passed by. Hit his eyes, which the Samaritan did. He went to him and looked on him, had compassion, did something about it. My point is this tonight. God says the eyes of the wise are open to their responsibility to God, to worship and work, and the responsibility to others to give what we have to meet their needs. Very simple, very practical, and it involves literally our physical eyes. Was it not, I believe, Jeremiah that said in Lamentations, mine eye affecteth mine heart. There are many people that are afraid of stepping foot on a mission field because they're afraid what they might see. They might actually see the effects of people who don't have the gospel and be moved to do something about it. And so by not going, I'm hiding my... I'm not saying everybody has to go on a mission trip. I'm not, I'm, but if I'm not going to where people are because I'm afraid of the effect it will have on my heart, I'm hiding my eyes from the needs of others. Amen? I believe it is... I remember as a 16-year-old boy, when Jim Beth and I were in the same youth group, one of the things our youth pastor did was very effectual. He would take us into the convalescent home to see the needs of the elderly. We could sing to them and minister to them. But he also took us to the homeless shelter, thus young men. He didn't take the ladies there, but the young men went. We went right where they were, served them soup in their soup kitchen, heard them get the gospel. Well, I remember the effect it had on me realizing, ooh, not everybody lives like I do. I knew that. We're talking about downtown, metropolitan, soup kitchen. There's something about laying your eyes on the needs of others. There's something about sitting inside a cell with another man and looking on his needs and let it move your heart. Amen? We can't hide our eyes from those who are poor, physically or spiritually. We need to look on that, and then that will move us to fulfill our responsibilities. It's easier to close our eyes than to open them, literally. And so then we're to open our eyes from sleep to our responsibility to God, to worship and to work, open our eyes to the needs of others to fulfill our responsibility to give of ourselves in service. Number two, the eyes of the wise are not only open to the work of God, the eyes of the wise are occupied with the word of God. Occupied with the word of God. Notice the context of the verses. Proverbs chapter 3, if you would, and we'll be coming back to these verses, but Proverbs chapter 3. Verse, um, let's back up just a little bit. Speaking of wisdom, the Bible says in verse 17, Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth, by understanding hath he established the heavens. 
by his knowledge the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down the dew. My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. We say, well, that's talking figuratively. You need to keep the word of God in the eye of your mind. True enough, but it's talking literally. How many know that God, from the time of the hand of Moses till now, has given his people a book, not only to hear, but to read? We are exhorted throughout the Bible to read, to read. In the book of Revelation, Jesus puts a a special blessing on those who read the book. Amen? We are getting in a culture that would rather listen and watch because it's what's pushed by our culture. I understand that. How many understand reading is powerful? Reading in itself is not inherently good. It depends on what you're reading. Remember, evil communications corrupt good manners, unless it's in a book. No, no, no. Only evil communications corrupt good manners if it's in a movie or it's in a CD or... No, evil communications corrupt good manners. We need to be occupied as God's people with the Word of God. We need to have a love for Scripture He says, let not them depart from thine eyes. Look at Proverbs 4. Meaning, how many of you know this? I I remember hearing this. I remember hearing this as probably an 8, 9, 10-year-old. I would hear about people that get out of the will of God. Uh, People who get into sin. People who get out of church. Break fellowship with God's people. Out of fellowship with God. Next thing you know, there's some some deep sin in their life. They're in trouble. Maybe in trouble with the law. Maybe a divorce. A broken home. As a result, a direct result of my sin. And if you talk to that person, someone who's saved, but all of a sudden their life is a mess, and if you could pin them down and say, when did this start? If they would give an honest testimony, they would say, well, somewhere back here, I quit spending time in God's Word and quit spending time with God in prayer first. Then I quit spending time with God's people in the house of God. Then I got into sin. And I remember in my own life being awakened to the fact that one day there were things in my life that I never thought would be there when did this happen? Well, back here, I stopped reading God's Word on my own. Oh, I heard it, but I quit putting it in front of my eyes. I let that depart from my eyes. You know what? An eye is a gate to the heart. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, but you can't get in your heart if it's not in front of your eyes. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee, and so... We are told, let not these things depart from thine eyes. If you let God's, you get out of the habit of putting God's word in front of your eyes, you're getting in trouble spiritually. Uh, Paul told Timothy, and I'll read it in just a minute, that he was to give himself to reading. Isn't that practical? One of the things he told the young preacher to do is read and give yourself to it. Make time. Give yourself means you give yourself over to make time for this. And one of the things was Reading And so Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. My son, let, excuse me, verse 20. By his knowledge, that the knowledge of God, the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down the dew. My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall there be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. Then shalt thou walk in thy way safely and thy foot shall not stumble. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet, so on and so forth. I am I'm not insinuating that merely reading Scripture is a magical potion in your life. I'm saying this, departing from God's Word and ceasing to keep it in front of your eyes is the doorway to destruction. 
in a practical, it's a doorway to spiritual defeat. And so God says, be occupied. The wise, the eyes of the wise are occupied with the word of God. Let not them depart from thine eyes. You know what? How many of you know that when your eye looks on something, there is a reflection of what you're looking at in your eye? They call the, the place where that reflects the apple of the eye. What reflects in your eye is the apple of your eye. And I wonder if we could study and do a video recording of the apple of our eye, what would most often be reflected there. Because what we put our eyes on is what we put our hearts on. Amen? That is true. It's true. And how many times is something reflecting in our eye? It's not the Word of God and because we've not opened our eyes to that. And so then we should be occupied with the Word of God. First of all, that does deal with reading it. It certainly does. Acts 17, 11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they searched the Scriptures daily to see whether those things were so. You know what the people in Berea were occupied with? Opening the written Word of God daily and putting it in front of their eyes. Daily, in front of their eyes. And, and, and it would be wise for the child of God to daily have the habit of, and multiple times a day, looking at with your eyes, Scripture. Amen? Very practical. Uh, you say, don't we know that? We do know it. But how often do we let them depart from our eyes? May I say this? If I'm not keeping the Scripture in front of my eyes, something has taken its place. Something has taken its place. Something that we feel is more valuable. So, being occupied with the Word of God has to do with reading it. Joshua 1, 8 and 9, Let not this book of the law depart out of thy mouth. It tells him to meditate therein day and night. Well, if it's going to be in your mouth, that means you're reading it. You are rehearsing it, going through it. Again, 1 Timothy four thirteen. If you'll turn there, we'll read that one. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Uh, Paul expected Timothy to be extremely familiar with the written word. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How many times is this our approach to our Bible with our, with as far as the, the eye time on the Bible? How much time are my eyes on the scripture? I'm a minimalist when it comes to Bible reading. Okay, how much do I have to read to be able to check my box and say I did and soothe my conscience? That'll never work. You'll be a spiritual flunk if you do that. If it is, this is the Word of God. You know what? I've got notes from my wife, as many of you may from yours. I still have some of them saved. Some of them I've read multiple times. Multiple times. I got a note I keep in my bulletin. My wife wrote me a note some time ago. That note was so encouraging to me, it stays in the leaflet of my Bible. She wrote a note at a time when I was very discouraged. This became a tremendous encouragement to me, so much so I have saved it. This was written in 2012. That was nine years ago. But you know what? I've looked at that many times. My eyes have laid on those words many times. You know why? Because the person that wrote them is very important to me. And what she said was very meaningful to me. When we have a hard time keeping our eyes on the Bible, it's because the author does not have our heart. Open thine eyes. Keep your eyes occupied. By the way, say, how can I develop a love for the Word of God? Spend time in it. 
You spend time in it, you eat it enough, you'll get an appetite for it. But you know what? If I'm filling my mind with other things, secular instruction, secular wisdom, young people listen to me for a few minutes tonight. You're going to have a grave temptation to get caught up with things that you think may not be evil, but they are worldly wisdom packaged in some book, and you're going to prefer it over your Bible, and you're going to get in trouble spiritually. Because you're filling your mind with things that are not from God. They're from worldly wisdom, lost people. Let me remind you tonight, we are not to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. We need to be very careful about the content we're putting in our minds. And what will happen is Satan does not mind replacing what is best with something that's not too bad. Amen? We must be occupied with the Word of God. How many hours a week of reading do you think is too much Bible reading? Dawson, what do you think? How much is too much? I mean, I would say if you're reading your Bible so much you can't perform your daily tasks, you're reading it too much. And I know that's a real problem. No. We don't ask how much is too much. We say how much is enough. And that's in our flesh. That's in our flesh. But I'm going to tell you something. When God gets hold of your heart, you develop an attitude for, of love for the Word of God. But, but Paul had to tell Timothy... Give attendance to reading. You're going to have to pay attention and give yourself to it or it won't get done. So uh, being occupied with the Word of God means reading the Word of God, but that's not all. Not just reading, it means regarding it. Being occupied, keeping it in front of my eyes is not just technically saying, okay, I'll have this much time, my eyes are laid on the Bible. Look at Proverbs 7, verses 1 and 2. My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live and my law as the apple of thine eye. We talked about what the apple of the eye is, didn't we? You keep that reflection of God's law in your eye. Keep the Bible in front of you. You know what makes for, and you've heard me say this before, but what makes for effectual preaching? The preacher does have to spend time in prayer, communion with God, getting from God what God has. But Jeremiah the prophet did that. And his ministry was not very effectual at all from the standpoint of repentance and change. If you're not on the preaching end of the, of the preaching ministry, and not everybody can be, not everybody can preach. If you're on the receiving end, what makes for effectual? Keeping God's laws, the apple of your eye. Keeping the word of God in front of you. The apple of the eye has to do with your affection for it. And when a child is the apple, we say, boy, that child is the apple of his mama's eye. What does that mean? She's, how many of you, that little girl right back there, nobody has to say, you be sure and look at Brooklyn a couple times a day. Nobody has to tell me that. I have to say, don't give her too much attention. It'll spoil her. Right? <laughs> Isn't that right? She's grinning at me. She's the apple of my eye. Just the way it is. No one has to tell me that. I, my eye constantly catches her. I'm constantly getting her close enough where if you could see the reflection of my eye, she's in it. Because I'm looking at her. Hey, God says, keep my law as the apple of that eye. It's very hard to be looking at something wretched if I'm looking at this book. Amen? Amen. So we are to read it, we are to regard it, and we are to retain it. Back to Proverbs 3, 21, 421. We've read all these verses. 7, 2 here says, Keep my commandments and live in my laws, the apple of thine eye. Proverbs 3, 21. It means keep going back to it and keep going back to it. Don't reject it. Continue to go back to it. Uh, Proverbs 3.21, My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Don't ever get to the point where God's word is not in front of your face. Never get to that place. Let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom 
and discretion. 421, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep them, that's retention, in the midst of thine heart. If you get to the point where you are dreading reading your Bible, that is like having a fever physically. It is a symptom that you are ill spiritually. You need to love God's word keep it in front of you. So the wise eye, open to the work of God, occupied with the word of God, and observant of the ways of God. The eye of the wise is always looking to understand the way that God would have us to go to learn his ways and apply them in our lives. Always looking to learn the will and way of God. Proverbs 23, 26. Proverbs 23, 26. This is certainly a, a human father speaking to his human son, but this is also certainly God our Father speaking to us as his children. My son, give, the, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. I should literally be using my eyes to observe what's going on around me and say, that's not God's way, that's God's way. That's not God's way. God gives us that through examples, people in our life to exemplify the ways of God. We can take our eyes to perceive by reading the ways of God from the Word of God. And, of course, this is figuratively as well as as literal. But I I read in Proverbs chapter 4, uh, Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 24, verses 30 through 34, uh, the, psalm, or, uh, the writer says this, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding, and lo, it was all grown over with thorns, and nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Do any of you have a mental picture in your mind? Because the writer, I believe this is literal. I believe Solomon one day was walking through his kingdom, and he noticed a field, and he said, look at that, it's a wreck. The stone wall is broken down. That's a field that was intended to be a vineyard, and it's all grown over with nettles and thorns. He was very observant with his eyes to look at something and always looking to learn. He says this, Then I saw, he used his eyes to look and learn, and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. He looked at that dilapidated old field, and he said, that's the result of slothfulness. God's way is a way of diligence. And he did. He used his eyes to learn. You and I can be learners if we'll look and observe. You know what? You can look at nature, observe animals. You read how Solomon at one point in time, he went out and he looked at the ants. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider. It means watch, look her ways and be wise. Don't use your eyes to constantly gratify your pleasures. Use your eyes to learn the ways of God. And he looked at the coney and the rocks, and he said, that's like somebody hiding behind the defense of God's word. He looked at the spider who with her hands got in palaces that people couldn't get into. I mean, you listen, Solomon uses words to describe what he saw. Our eyes are gates through which we can either... We can be infiltrated by sin and evil like Lot, or we can use our eyes to observe the lessons that God has put all around us to teach our hearts. Give me thine heart, my son, and let thine eyes observe my ways. God has articulated and illuminated His ways through His Word, by His Holy Spirit and through His creation, so that you and I will observe, will pay attention. With our eyes, we can learn the ways of God. That means a couple of things. Attentiveness, of course, 
but also application. Let that eyes, observing his ways is not just, oh, that's the way of God. No, observing means I am attentive with the purpose of applying what I learn. So if I learn that diligence is the way of God, not slothfulness, my intent is then to be diligent, be like the ant, not like the sloth. To be like the ant, not like the slug. You know where we get the word slothful? From the sloth. You know where we get the word sluggard? From a slug. Isn't that brilliant? You can go out and watch a slug and say, oh, that's what I look like. I don't want to be that. I'd rather be the ant that's passing that slug 200 times while he's moved two inches. That ant has passed him 200 times while he's, well, I'll get along with it. Isn't God wonderful? He gives us two eyeballs whereby we can learn his ways if we will. Now, the eye is connected to the heart, and only a heart that's yielded to God will use their eyes to observe God's way. But if you're saved tonight, your heart is indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, and certainly he's directing you to use your eyes not to gratify self, but to learn the ways of God. And so then, the eyes of the wise, open to the work of God, occupied with the word of God, observant of the ways of God through attentiveness with the purpose of application. Again, 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. James 1.22, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. We're going to, if we're going to use our eyes correctly, we have to open them, not give them always to sleep, and loving sleep, but open them that we might get them on the word of God and engaged in the work of God and serving others in their need. We must be occupied with the word of God that we may be observant with our eyes of the ways of God and plug those in. How many times does Satan, does Satan want to pervert that? Keep our eyes closed in slothfulness. Keep our eyes closed to the word of God. And keep our eyes open to our own ways instead of God's ways. Very simple but practical tonight. What am I using my eyes to do? Am I using them for the purpose? Remember who created them? The hearing ear and the seeing eye. God hath, he hath created them both. He's made them both. And so then I need to use them according to his divine purpose. You can't until you're saved. But if you're saved, then God's purpose is to be fulfilled. And he gave us our eyes to see with that we might serve him with and fulfill his will in our life. Thank mm-hmm. you.